Hey friends, it's your pal Mike Shea from Sly Flourish. Today, we are going to do a deep dive into the Shadow Dark RPG. I have not yet had the opportunity to run this role-playing game, but I am running it later today using the Shadow Dark RPG gauntlet-style rules. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. So I thought I would do a show where I'm getting ready to think about this game, where I've, 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 I've gone through the rules, I've thought a lot about it. Ever since the Kickstarter came out, I looked at the Quick Start rules. When the PDF came out, I dug into that. And I want to talk more about it and kind of get my own head around what the major differences are between Shadow Dark RPG and other role-playing games, how I can really get myself into the mindset to run this game, and then get myself prepared to run it. This is actually going to be probably a three-part video series. Part one is going to be me talking about the Shadow Dark RPG itself, the rules, how it differs from other RPGs, things we want to keep in mind, stuff like that. Then part two, a different video, will be me actually doing my prep for a Shadow Dark RPG gauntlet using the Curse Scroll 3 adventure that they have inside of it. That adventure is called Horde of the Sea Wolf King. That is a gauntlet level zero gauntlet style adventure written for Shadow Dark RPG. So that's the one that I'm actually going to be running. So I'm going to do a video where I'm preparing to run that gauntlet. And then part three will be my experiences afterwards. How did it go? What are my thoughts about it? What, what did I learn? What did I discover? How did my players like it? All that kind of stuff. So we're going to talk about it in part three. I have no idea what that video is going to be like. So that's going to be kind of scary. But all of that is going to be put together in three different videos where I talk about Shadow Dark RPG. What is the Shadow Dark RPG? What is this thing? Earlier in 2023, a creator named Kelsey Dion put up a Kickstarter for a game that she has been working on for a whole long time, very long time, called the Shadow Dark RPG. It is an old school style, the old school D&D style role-playing game system. She's been working on it for a long time and there was a free sample available and it went up on Kickstarter and it blew everybody away on Kickstarter. It had 13,000 backers on Kickstarter and made $1.3 million which is an amazing amount of money for an RPG like this, especially like an old school style RPG like this. It really brought this idea. Got everybody very excited about it and I think a couple keys to success were really showing what it was. There's actually a free version of the Shadow Dark RPG that you can download from DriveThruRPG. You can find a link in the show notes. It gives you both a player's guide and a GM's guide, including an adventure, ready to run, ready to play, ready to go for, for zero. And reading that and looking at that and looking at the quality of it, I think got people very excited about this, this Kickstarter. And the book looks really cool. And since it came out, since the Kickstarter finished, the full book has been released in PDF, which is what I'm going to be running today. The physical book is not yet delivered, but the PDF is delivered, and it's the PDF that I'm going to be using to run to run my game now. So really kind of took the whole role-playing game world by storm. So the, the key to Shadow Dark RPG, the key differentiator, if you will, of what makes Shadow Dark RPG different than other role-playing games is one, that it is that old-school style game. We're going to talk about specifically what that means when you're running that style of game, but also uses a lot of what they call modern sensibility. So ideas that we have seen from 5th edition. Things like advantage, things like ascending armor class and ascending attack bonuses, things like the six stats, all the basics that we see there. But ever since like 3rd edition of D&D and onwards, they've kind of broken away from some of the older style of gaming that you might find in something like Old School Essentials. Old School Essentials actually has both ascending and descending DC in there, things like that, or ascending and, ascending and descending armor class and ascending and de- descending attack bonuses. This one, they really want to say like, look, there's obvious things that have made running RPGs easier. 
Let's not throw those away just because they weren't done back in the 80s. Let's use those ideas, but use the style and the philosophy that we can see with a modern RPG. And that's what you will find in the Shadow Dark RPG. That's what I have so far found in the Shadow Dark RPG. So what are some of these key features? Like when we talk about like an old school gaming with modern sensibilities, well, that's that's all fine and well and good. But what does that actually mean? When we, when we think about the game, what does that actually mean? And we're going to dive into the PDF itself and take a look at it. But I wanted to cover some of these high level things up front. One is that it's one of the heavy differentiators of the idea of torches and lighting. Anybody that's been like, oh, all the characters have dark vision and that makes dark vision, you know, makes it, we, nobody actually needs a light source in any cave, which by the way, for fifth edition is wrong. Go see my video about you're not thinking about dark vision correctly. Cause if you think that dark vision is actually that big a deal, you're actually not thinking about dark vision. Almost every time that I have explained to players why dark, how dark vision actually works in fifth edition, they light up a torch. So... <laughs> I think most of the time you don't have to worry about who has dark vision because it turns out you have disadvantage on all kinds of things. So in this one, though, none of the characters have dark vision and and humanoids don't have dark vision, but monsters do. Almost all the monsters do. And they have the real dark vision. They have like where they can see in the dark. They don't need a torch. So what that means is that the characters need to be using torches and torchlight actually is in real time one hour of gameplay every torch that you carry lasts one hour of game time so you set a torch timer you fire up that torch timer you say your torch is lasting an hour and it's a pacing for the game it's a way to kind of move the game forward it's a way to make sure that they are the players are not just sitting around not doing anything they're not spending a lot of time they know we have a limited number of torches while we're going out here and doing this thing it, we, we can only carry so much and we need to move forward i don't think there's anything like bags of holding in in shadow dark and i think if you had a bag of holding it would kind of wreck one of the major components that shadow dark requires which isn't just that you need to light torches and that torches last an hour but you can only carry that many of them because of the way encumbrance works we'll talk about how encumbrance works it has always on initiative meaning that the minute you sit down to play you roll for initiative everybody goes and then you keep your list and as people are deciding what they want to do and where they want to go you're keeping track of the turn orders on things you're moving through it so the way initiative works in shadow dark rpg is that the uh, everybody rolls initiative as their dexterity bonus to their initiative roll whoever gets the highest it starts there and then initiative order goes clockwise around the table you could probably also do it like in a list if you're playing online a lot of people are playing online so instead you kind of go up and down the list you say oh whoever picked it they go first and then you go down and you kind of pick where the gm is going to work obviously the idea of moving clockwise around the table works better when you're in a physical game than it does in a in-person or than it does in an online game but you can figure it out for an online game so you're always kind of staying in turn orders and you're always kind of going through an initiative and kelsey i just watched a video where she was talking about this it's like it's not the kind of thing you hang on too tightly to for example you can group everybody together and move them forward count it as a turn and everything like that but one of the reasons you do this is because the dangerous areas that you're in you're going to be rolling for random encounters and those random encounters are another way to kind of move things forward you want she, clearly shadow dark is built around the idea of pushing forward pacing and in this example it is saying we are pushing pacing forward by your torches burning out and by random encounters another way to keep that pacing going is to have that always on initiative the math for shadow dark rpg is very flat so you roll your ability scores 3d6 down the line so you don't get 46 and re-roll you know 46 pick, pick the best three and put them wherever you want like a lot of systems do you don't have any kind of point by system which means you're going to have generally lower ability scores some people might have really good ability scores but generally speaking you're going to see lower ability scores and they're not always going to be in like the ideal slots that you want which actually gets towards a, a major feature of shadow dark rpg which is very very based on random ideas including your character abilities 
abilities. As you raise levels, you roll to see which character abilities you pick up. It's sort of a way to break, break min-maxing. Not all the time, but about every other level, I think, you roll to see, or every, every, every other level, I think it's every other level, you roll to see what kind of new abilities you get. But also, because of the way your abilities come out in the beginning, you're not even sure necessarily what class you're going to want to choose because you don't know exactly which abilities are going to be worthwhile. But that same flat math idea kind of scales everywhere else. An example is you do not add your ability bonus to your damage die, which means that damage and, and your hit points are very low as well. You don't add your constitution bonus to hit points except at first level. And every other level after that, you're rolling your hit points and it's just a straight die roll. So that means hit points are scaled down a lot. It means damage is scaled down a lot. In monsters too, that when they roll, they might roll just a D8 or just 2D12. There's no 2D12 plus 6. There's no big modifiers on everything. This is a good example. You compare this to like Pathfinder 2. And in Pathfinder 2, you see like you roll, you know, 68 plus 36. You get these really high modifiers. There's no real high modifiers when you are when you're using Shadow Dark RPG. So that means all the math is down. What that also means though is that things can also be a lot more random. Because your hit points are low and because you don't add your modifier to damage, it means that the damage die is going to be much swingier. Instead of having something like 5 to 8, like 1d4 plus 4, which would be 5 to 9. Math, math is hard. Instead of having a swing of like 5 to 8 on like 1d4 plus 4, instead you're just rolling 1d4 and the swing is 1 to 4. So you have these much swingier errors. If you if you are using a great big weapon and you roll a d12, sometimes you're going to roll a run and sometimes you're going to roll a 12. So a lot of times I was looking at like the bandit monster, for example, and the bandit monster only has four hit points, which means most of the time they have about a 50-50 shot of getting killed on one hit. Right. So and the same is true on the player side, the character side, the characters have lower hit points, which means when monsters hit them, if those monsters roll really well, the character is going to be in a bad, a bad state. So you can see that that not only is the math flatter, which makes everything faster because it's easier to do math and you're just rolling a die and taking what's on the die result. But also it means that the game overall is going to have a little bit more of a random element to it. Now, I haven't played it, so I haven't seen what this is like in actual play. I'm going to be playing it later today. I'm pretty excited to run it later today. And we're going to see like how big a difference it is. Now, I'm not going to get the best version of that because we're also doing a level zero game. And we already know that that is going to be crazy swingy because the characters have like one and two hit points. They're going to be dying like crazy. We're going to talk about that in the second video. So the other part, along with having torches really matter, is that it uses a slot-based encumbrance and equipment method. And this is actually very nice, quick and elegant. You're not measuring weights of things, which is really nice. Instead, you have so many equipment slots available. And the equipment slots are very easy to figure out. It's either 10 or your strength score, whichever is higher. So very straightforward on how many different things you can carry. But your weapons count. Your armor counts. Everything that you pick up counts. There are certain items where you can batch them together, rations and, and pitons and other sorts of things, they all can, some of them can be grouped together, but generally speaking, they use those equipment slots. Treasure that you pick up uses those equipment slots. So it's important to know how much you can carry, and that's why not everybody has a bunch of torches. I, I have a feeling, I would not be surprised if the idea of the, the, the torches and the way that torches work and lighting works and the way the slot-based encumbrance work actually feels like it's coming from the game Darkest Dungeons. If you've ever played the video game Darkest Dungeons, this is exactly how it works. Torches matter a lot. You need to light your torches to keep the area dark or lit so that the monsters aren't so hard and you're not getting attacked all the time and you have only so many slots you can carry so you can't carry a whole ton of stuff because you also got to pick up the treasure you want to pick up so this slot based thing is sort of a it is a focused a fixed block that you can fit in that you can use to determine like 
we got to use torches or we got to pick up treasure or if I'm going to wear heavy armor or I'm going to use a bigger weapon. All these sorts of things matter. And they all kind of it's this one fixed block of, of, of resource that you have to expend on everything from lighting to equipment and armor to treasure. All of it sort of fits in that slot based encumbrance system. It uses treasure based experience, which is the way kind of old school D&D did it. You got experience points based on gold value and stuff like this. This one abstracts that as well. So you essentially have like zero XP for like mundane stuff that doesn't really matter. One XP for sort of like normal treasure, three XP for stuff that's really special and 10 XP for like artifacts, major things. And you level based on the amount of experience points you pick up. Now it's still group based. If your group picks up the treasure, everybody gets it. You don't have to say like each individual person is getting whatever they, what they individually get. Instead, you are able to kind of group it all together. But if, a, if, if the characters are off to go pick up this major artifact and they get it, they can get 10 experience points. Leveling is also based like that. The, the amount of experience that you need to level. There are only 10 levels in the game and the 10 levels go to the full range. So a 10th level character is roughly the equivalent of a 20th level D&D character. Although again, flat math and everything else. But they're casting a 10th a, a level wizard can cast spells like Wish. So you can see, you can always gauge like how powerful it is by what spells the spellcaster picks up and the spellcasters are picking up really big spells at 10th level. So 10th level is kind of the highest level of Shadow. It appears to be the highest level in Shadow Dark. And every the amount of experience you need in order to raise a level is 10 experience per level. So it takes 10 experience to go from first to second level. It takes 20 experience to go from second to third level. It takes 30 experience to get from second to third level and so on, which means it takes a little bit longer to get to the higher levels as you go. But it also means this is a question that I had and I was asking around in the Shadow Dark Discord. I was saying like, well, so when characters die, which is often, do they start at zero or one again? How does that work? And people came back and said like, you can start at one because they're going to level up really quickly when the higher level characters are picking up the amount of experience that they need because it takes more time to raise your level up at higher levels that means lower level characters are going to have an opportunity to catch up they probably won't catch up completely they'll almost always be a level behind but then if other characters are dying they're going to start the same way and so you're going to be kind of doing this sort of backward forward rolling rolling forward sort of idea so that's so that's really different so how is this different than 5e? For those of us who've been playing a lot of 5e, there's questions about what are the what are some of the things that we need to keep keep in mind when we're thinking about 5e versus a game like Shadow Dark. Obviously, the real big one that's not even on my list here is the style of the game. That a 5e game is really sort of a heroic fantasy, super heroic fantasy as it gets to higher levels, where the characters are special in the world, right? The characters are unique in the world. The monsters are not built the same way the characters are, are built. Characters have a lot of capability up front, even first level characters. First level characters are a little bit more old school. The minute you get to second, third, the minute you get subclasses and things like that, subclasses and feats. So we're seeing 5e moving more towards this very empowered super heroic. And super heroic is probably a little extreme, but definitely high on the heroic spectrum of different RPGs. And Shadow Dark is not. Shadow Dark, you are one of many people. You are the one who was courageous enough to pick up a sword and head into that cave when everybody else would rather stay back and be a farmer. But you don't have anything that necessarily says you're better than that farmer so there's definitely sort of the you know a lot of people call like a grim fantasy or dark fantasy more so than like heroic fantasy i don't really know the exact term for it but that style of game is definitely different tracking torches worrying about random encounters worrying about how much stuff you can carry these are features that a lot of times in our 5e games we don't worry about oh i've got a bag of holding just throw it in the bag of holding we can carry as much gold as we want it really doesn't matter we, you know and that's fine because like we are focused on a different thing you're in 5e 
RPGs, you're focused on that high fantasy thing, the big story that's going on. And things like how many arrows you can carry isn't really that interesting in the kind of stories that you're focused on in 5e. But here, the number of arrows you're carrying actually matters toward the game. It's a different style of game. That's probably the biggest thing to understand. But there's a few things that are different about 5e because this is using a lot of 5e style mechanics, advantage and disadvantage and things like that. There are subtle differences that we want to pick up. An example is that there's no ability modifiers to damage. I mentioned that before in the idea of flat math. There's no flanking. There's no opportunity attacks. There's no dual wielding. There are no feats and there are no skill proficiencies. The game doesn't have anything like that. Now, it does have new character abilities that you pick up as you level up. And again, it's a one to ten game. So you pick up a lot of stuff each level. But the and but half of those are determined by randomly rolling to determine what kind of ability you get. That's kind of interesting. Again, breaks away from the min-maxing that a lot of people want to do. But again, if you have players who are like, no, I really like picking all of these individual things out. I want to build my character the way I want to build it. I don't want to just roll a random character and see it. And I don't want to keep rolling for that same random character throughout. Then they're probably not going to dig it too much. So it really depends on what your what your group really wants out of their role-playing game experience. A lot of one thing that's different is you succeed automatically a lot more often in Shadow Dark than you do in 5e. One of the ideas is if you if a character does something and it's possible that they could do it, they just do it. You the only the only role for an ability check when something is really difficult to do, time matters and failure is a clear option. If those things aren't done, then you just do it. So f- searching, if you say like I really want to search the wall for a, for a, for a secret passage or I'm looking around to see if there's something there that we wouldn't go there. You don't say okay, well roll a wisdom check to see if you discover it you just say no you move your hands along the wall and you find that they're behind the ivy there's a seam in the wall there's like a crack on the wall now going along with that though is a philosophy that I, I didn't really see in the book itself but somebody else brought up to me on the shadow dark discord server which is this concept that you don't answer a question that isn't asked and this gets to a style of how shadow dark plays that's different than i'm used to which is that you really the players really have to take an active role in their exploration of the environment you don't just tell them stuff i am really used to telling the players stuff i am really used to kind of saying your character would notice x and in this one you're really not supposed to do that the players are supposed to take the agency of their character to really go and explore things so if they're if they want to look behind a pillar they have to say they want to look behind a pillar you don't roll like a passive check or look at their passive score and say oh you notice there's some movement behind that pillar over there they need to say it that could be very different from how it plays between players and gm so we're going to see what that's like one other one other factor is that magic is handled completely differently there are no spell slots you don't have so many spells that you can cast per day instead you have a number of spells that you know whether you're a cleric or a wizard you have so many spells that you can know and every time you cast a spell you roll a check to see if you succeed or fail if you fail the check on a spell you lose the use of that spell for that day along with the action that you took to cast it which means magic can be pretty powerful but it's a risky endeavor and there's also critical success and critical failures on spells too if you roll a 20 you get to like double the amount of 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 numerical effect of that ability and if you roll one weird catastrophes happen and you have to either go pray to the gods or something explodes somewhere so there's a lot of magic is handled very differently again it's very fast very focused easy to track you either have it on or you don't this is actually a dungeon crawl classic style idea too this idea of rolling a check and seeing whether you succeed or fail on the spell and what happens if you succeed or what happens if you fail so that's really kind of an interesting interesting difference in in 5e as well 
So one of the questions I got was, how about convincing your players to try Shadow Dark? How do you how do you do that? And I don't think you should try to convince your players to run Shadow Dark. Obviously, if you're a GM and you're really excited about it and you want to bring it to your group, that's that's something. But if you're if your players are not if you describe this to them and they're not on board, you're probably not going to get them on board. I wouldn't think again. I haven't run it yet. So I don't know. Maybe if you have skeptical players and you run it for them and then they suddenly love it. Certainly players who are interested in, in having a lot of agency with their characters who are love building their characters who love being very empowered from the get-go in a game it's going to probably be pretty hard to convince them that that spending time tracking torches and looking at their ability modifiers 3d6 down the line it's going to be hard for them to probably to grasp that but sometimes you might have players who are like we've played a lot of 5e and we're interested in trying things out i bet you you could at least convince just about any group that knows you and is excited about the kind of stuff you're excited in, you could probably convince them to try it for a one shot. And I think the idea of like the gauntlet, the zero level gauntlet, where you have characters with like one or two hit points and you're throwing a whole bunch of them in there, that's kind of a compelling idea. And people might be interested, like, wow, I kind of do want to try that out just to see what it's like. Now, also, the gauntlet might not be the best way to really get a full understanding of how Shadow Dark works because it's so low power, it's just very, very straightforward, you know, very fast, lots of characters getting thrown into this gauntlet and getting and dying often that's a whole different a whole different situation but probably you could you could probably convince a group to try it out and see if they like it and then see if they're into it see if they like the kind of story see if the the, the idea of, of tracking encumbrance and tracking equipment load and tracking light and having low powered scores and a lot of randomness for character generation if those are the they, they might find that they kind of like them so we're going to see there's obviously a lot of people that are interested in trying out this kind of game it's very popular it's very a lot of people have been talking about it and so i'm actually really eager to, to 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 look at it shadow dark really falls into what i call an opinionated rpg it has a particular approach that it wants you to take when you run it this is different than bigger rpgs that generally don't have like a focus like you're always going to want to play it this way obviously D&D is the big one and 5e is like this there's lots of different ways to play 5e you can play on a grid you can play theater of the mind you can do high fantasy you can do heists you can do dark and dismal dungeon crawling there's low level there's high level there's so many different ways to kind of play that game that I would not say that D&D is an opinionated RPG it's trying to do a lot of different things and some would argue that some it does really well and some it doesn't do very well but it's trying to do a lot of different things but other more independent role playing games have a particular way they expect you to play fate has a particular way it wants you to play dungeon world and the powered by the apocalypse games have a particular way they expect you to play and so does shadow dark rpg and it outlines that in this idea in the gm section of your role so an example of the opinionated nature of this is it talks about what your role is and right at the top it says not the enemy but the very next subheader is the neutral arbiter you are not the player's enemy you're portraying the world as it is roll your dice in the open and let players create their own trouble now an interesting style though is this feels very much when you hear things like that as answer 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 no question not asked, right? Don't answer any question that isn't asked. That the idea, it, it feels a little bit more like this could push GMs towards an adversarial nature. That you really are trying to portray, a lot of times an adversarial GM will say, I'm trying to portray the world as it would be. I'm, you know, I'm not pulling any punches. I'm not going to make it easy for you. And, and when you have this sort of 
you know, player empowered scenario where they have to say the kinds of things they're going to do, it can create a more adversarial relationship between GMs and players. It's something I'm particularly worried about because I really don't like that style of GMing. I want to, if their character sees something, I want to tell them that their character would see it. And I think you can still lean in that direction, but I think too much of that, and you're breaking away from the style of game that Shadow Dark RPG is trying to be, which is the the raw world is the way it is, and it, and they could get killed very easily, and they can make poor choices, and that's definitely an old school style mindset. The problem is that a lot of times the communication that's going on between the GM and the player has holes. I've often talked about the fact that a player might only pick up fifty percent of what a GM is describing. So if they're not even understanding what you're saying, how are they supposed to make reasonable choices when their character would, given the fact that the character has got all their senses and is in the world and is understanding what the situation is better than the player is why wouldn't the gm try to describe to a player that like hey you probably don't want to do that so i I worry a little bit about that but there's definitely a lot of description in the book about what the what makes shadow dark different than other kinds of rpgs particularly like what's that old school ethos being unpredictable telegraphing danger making sure you know choices matter you know that all, all the like what are the the core functions time is always moving forward darkness is death if you fall into the dark it's very bad for you gear is precious and limited you have limited resources you get one action make it count you can do a, you know you can do one big cool thing you know dispense information freely so this does get into like okay if the characters test the floor where they're trapped they find it so this is that idea that you don't have to roll an ability check so you are depending upon the player to ask the right questions and do the right thing. But if they do it, you just they don't they just succeed. You don't have to roll a check for everything. One thing that I didn't mention yet is distances. And of course, I am a huge fan of abstract distances. I love zone-based combat. I love theater of the mind. So I'm always a fan to me. Other than 5th edition, I'm really not going to be diving into games that have fixed distances. It just doesn't interest me that much. And the idea that you have close, near, and far distances. Close is somebody that's right next to you. Near is roughly within 30 feet. And far is as far as you can see. Pretty straightforward stuff. Except there's a little bit of hedging in the book. I was reading through, and there are times where monsters or spells have double near distance. Which is kind of means like... There's something between near and far. There's this idea of a double near, right? And that double near I thought was kind of funny, sort of a hedge. It's like, well, it's more than just near, but it's not as far as far. And so there are certain spells that have like an area of effect that's double near. I've seen monsters who can move double near, right? They can move further. And so that idea, it's, it's almost like there's, a, there's another distance. There's a fourth distance in here, this double near, which is, you can imagine it's about 60 feet. And it seems reasonable that 60 feet should be a distance. It's like more than you can move to, but not as far as you can see right makes sense but it's kind of interesting because the book doesn't really talk about what double near is it feels like a hedge to me it feels like sort of a a a, a hazy way of saying like well it's further than you can walk to but it's not as far as you can see and it's like they're probably i don't know medium i don't know what they should call that but there should be another name for something between near and far (laughs) that counts for roughly 60 feet they just call it double near and it's fine it just kind of cracks me up a little bit everything is danger magic items are dangerous spells are dangerous all this sort of stuff and you know on the idea of balance they definitely talk about the fact that that balance is, isn't here one thing i really love about shadow dark st- talking about balance is monster design monster design is very very straightforward monsters are really you know i'm a lazy dm right so i'm always looking for like easier monsters and the monster stat blocks are very very straightforward there's a lot of interesting ways that you can sort of change what monsters 
uh, you know, how they how they operate, like some that are you know tougher or you know stronger than other monsters, different mutations they can have, how to make your own monsters, how to customize monsters. They have average hit points here, but they actually say what you can do is look at their level and roll a D8 per level, and that's how many that's how many hit points they could have, but they always take the average. And you can see like an entire abolith. You know, you look at the abolith stat block in like a fifth edition and it's huge. It's like two pages long or it's like a full page long. This is like a tiny little thing, right? It's got the main things it can do. Like here's here its core stats and here are the main things it can do. And the monsters go up from like first to about 15th level. 15th level, as you imagine, are more powerful. I guess they have, no, here's an archangel that's 16th level. So I guess they can go up pretty high. 16th level means they are six levels higher than the maximum cap of the characters, which is at, which is at 10. So you can see, but even then, like a 16th level character, which is, imagine like a, a CR 30 in fifth edition, right? How many hit points does a CR 30 have in fifth edition? Like 700 hit points, right? 76 hit points for this one plus 10 on their attack roll 2d12 damage so you can see what that flat math looks like when you when you when you round it down now one of the neat things is because it uses level based uh monsters and monsters have a have a level the level of a monster is equivalent to the level of a character and that means all of the math is really straightforward and i love their encounter building guidelines and i would love to see more encounter building guidelines that are like this because it's so straightforward one monster for one character if you want to know roughly how strong a monster is it's roughly equivalent to a character at the same level very straightforward, which means the 16th level monster is definitely higher than everything else. If you want to look at your battle, just add up all the monster levels and compare it to all the character levels, and that gives you a general idea. So if you have two monsters that are level two, is roughly equivalent to four characters of first level. Now, it does mention, by the way, though, if you do this solo monster where you have, uh, if you do a solo monster, its action economy is going to be really low. And if you have lots and lots of small monsters, its action economy is going to be high. So be wary of that. And that's really all you need. Don't come up with crazy formulas about, well, how many low monsters at what formula? It's like, no, if you have low power monsters, they're going to have a higher action economy, which means that they're going to be tougher than it looks like. And, and solo monsters are going to be weaker than they look like because they have fewer actions that they can take as well. Now, a lot of time, the bigger monsters have more actions they can take anyway. They don't have like legendary actions or anything like that, but they have more, they have more actions like that. So it's pretty great, but I really like the monster design in it. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to see it in play. I'm not going to see a whole lot in play in my initial gauntlet, but I am, who knows? I definitely would like to try a longer term campaign. I'm hoping that my group likes enough. Great artwork, by the way, the artwork in this is, is it's outstanding. You know, and you have like a Marilith demon, right? It's level nine. So, you know, it's pretty high on that spectrum, right? It's, it's a ninth level characters are right at the cap. So it's like, you can almost double the level and that's sort of what it is in fifth edition. So an 18th level Marilith, you know, makes six longsword attacks plus seven with one D8 each. Again, you can see that flat math. Six attacks is a lot of attacks, but the amount of damage it does. And it can parry. It can trade two longsword attacks the next round to deflect a melee attack that would hit. Really cool, right? I really like it. Really straightforward. Like, look at that stat block is so tiny for a little Marilith. I love it. You know, Archdevil, again, 16 seems to be the high end, right? 16 seems to be about as high as you can, as, as, as monsters seem to get, your Archdevil. But look, your Archdevil, again, fits in this tiny, you know, this tiny little section, including like, you know, the flavor text. So even the whole thing, right? AC 19, 76 hit points, four iron scepter attacks, plus 10, 3d10, plus one soul bind move far it can move fast and it teleports to get there has all of its straight ability but look like its abilities strength five dex four charisma con four int five whiz four 
Charisma 7. So his charisma is really high. But otherwise, you know, those are pretty low stats. Immune to fire. Only damage by magical sources. Crown of darkness. All hostile spells are reflected at the caster with a spell casting check less than 20. If you're going to land a spell, it better be hard. Soulbind. All targets within near DC 20 charisma or fall under control of the archdevil for 1d4 rounds. Like that, you know, you're pretty much going to take them over, right? So, so really neat. Anyway, I really like the monster design. I'm really excited for it. So that is my deep dive of the Shadow Dark RPG. Again, I want to clarify, I haven't run it yet. I haven't seen how it actually plays out. And I'm not even sure that after running my gauntlet, which I'm going to be running later today, that I'll still have a good feeling for what the whole game is like. We're really just going to see what that kind of style of game is. And I have heard from people that like, yeah, the level zero gauntlet is its own thing. It's not really representative of what the rest of the Shadow Dark RPG is like. I hope I don't break my group. I don't I hope we don't have such a terrible time that we don't want to try it again because I would like to try it again. I'm, I'm, I would like to actually run like a short campaign in Shadow Dark and see how it goes because it really looks like fun. I'm excited for it. I'm interested to see how it fits my style of GMing and to see what I like, but I'm very excited for it. I'm really excited to get the physical, the physical book as well. So really neat stuff. I hope you, I hope you give it a look again. There's a free version. The free version is really cool. Download it, take a look at it, see if you dig it. You can actually go get the PDF available now. Physical versions will be available later. If you want to try it out, you can of course get that, the, the, the quick start rules, which include everything you need to be able to play. So really neat, really neat stuff. I hope you enjoyed this video. If you did and you want to get more material like this, please consider subscribing to the Sly Flourish newsletter. You get a weekly RPG related email sent directly to your inbox, plus a free adventure generator PDF. You can also support me directly on Patreon. Patrons get access to a dedicated Discord server, the monthly Q&A, Uncovered Seekers Volume 1 and 2, the City of Arches Sourcebook, and a whole lot more. And you can pick up any of my books, including Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master, the Lazy DMs Workbook, and the Lazy DMs Companion, all available in the show notes. Thank you so much. Have a great day, and get out there and play a role-playing game.